due to a technical problem this morning, there was no sound recorded of the organ or the hymn singing. The hymns and the silent gaps have been removed from this broadcast. Very good morning to you all and a very warm welcome to worship, whether you're here in the sanctuary or following us online. The recording will be available on YouTube as usual um, and the podcasting channels, also on the phone service. And the midweek Thursday service will be on as usual this week at half past ten. After a short summer break, articles are needed for the next Kirkgate Messenger by next Sunday morning, please. Elizabeth is eagerly awaiting all your contributions for the Messenger, so by next Sunday. The craft team has started back up and is meeting on Tuesdays from 1 o'clock till 4 o'clock. Why not come along and help to make some greetings cards? They do a nice cup of tea as well, I can tell you. And the Care and Share lunch is on on Friday as usual, half past 12 until 2 o'clock. I'm still looking for a couple of volunteers to join the cleaning rota. There's one of the teams is short of a couple of people and if we could get two people to volunteer for that, it's only once every eight weeks that your turn comes around. Please speak to me if you could spare the time and if you're able to do it. Lastly, I want to say just a little bit about the meeting, the joint sessions um, on Tuesday evening. I'm pleased, in fact, I'm delighted to say that the meeting went very, very well this time. So we now have the draft basis for union. Like everything else, it's going to be a lengthy process. The draft basis for union has to be agreed at our next Kirk session meeting, which isn't until the 9th of September, and everyone else is doing the same. So that's happening times four. And then it has to go um, back, it has to go to presbytery, it has to be agreed by presbytery, and then it has to come back and be agreed again, and then it has to be voted on by the congregations. Now, as a congregation here, we are simply voting on the draft or a basis for union, The other congregations are voting on that and they're also voting on Nigel as the minister. So it's quite a lengthy and quite a complicated process. I will put something in the magazine about it, um, but it certainly is going ahead. Okay, so that's the good news. Unfortunately, at the moment, we don't really know the details. They're talking about December. They're talking about it taking place in December, the union. So we'll just have to see if we can get all the business side of things done before that date. But please, please keep praying for everyone involved in all of this because it's not an easy time. Please pray too for Nigel and his family as they're facing this because nobody really knows what's going to happen. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Vivian. I just love being part of the Church of Scotland. (laughs) Well, welcome to worship this morning, and it's a good morning. And uh, recently there's been a lot of talk uh, about comedians uh, at the Edinburgh Festival being cancelled, shut down because people don't agree with what they say, so I'm just hoping I don't get cancelled here, (laughs) or in certain other churches as well. Anyway, we have a call to worship this morning. It's taken from Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord 
to sing psalms to your name most high, to declare your love in the morning and your faithfulness every night. So let us uh, sing to God with our first praise uh, hymn of praise, which is uh, 124. Praise the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, the wonders of your creation, the splendor of the heavens, the beauty of the earth, the order and richness of nature, all speak to us of your glory. The coming of your Son, the presence of your Spirit, the fellowship of your church, show us the marvel of your love. We worship and adore you, God of grace and glory. God of mercy, God of love, in humbleness of heart, we confess our sins. We forget to love and serve you and wander from your ways. We are careless of your world and put its life in danger. We talk of concern for others, but fail to match our words with actions. Heavenly Father, be with us in every experience of life. When we neglect you, remind us of your presence. When we are frightened, give us courage. When we are tempted, give us power to resist. When we are anxious and worried, give us peace. And when we are weary in service, give us energy and zeal. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the same Jesus Christ who taught us to praise, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. We do have some young people. They're hiding it there. I wonder if you could come down and give me a hand with something. Okay? Do you want to? You don't have to, but if you, if you want to, you can give me a hand with something. And, uh, I've got this... That's it. Somebody's brave enough. Now, I want you to give me... Maybe, um, maybe Vivian, you could come... If you go down there, you could come and give me a hand as well. So I'm going to unveil this. I think it's the right way around. Oh, it's that way around. Okay. Do you want to keep take a hold of it there and there? That's it. Hold it up so we can all see. Now this is something that my uh, daughter-in-law did for me. And this is the Bruce family tree. And unlike um, some other trees, it starts at the bottom and it grows up this way. So if I'm going to come round, have a look at it, and, and we start up here, or down here, with the earliest person I could find, which is a Robert Bruce of Simbista, which is up in the Highlands, who was born in 1696, and then we get through all of this, and then eventually we get to, where am I? I've lost me. <laughs> Oh, right, that, that's me there. <laughs> okay, so we've come all, out, all the way down. And uh, I had, my grandfather was Andrew, 
and my great-grandfather was John, and my great-great-grandfather was Andrew, so you, you get the pattern. My son's John, and his wee boy's Andrew, so it's become a tradition. But I thought you'd see how extensive it is, but it's so I can trace my line all the way down, all the way through. And that's something where later on we're going to be looking at Matthew's Gospel, and uh, I think we could relieve you of that <laughs> before your arms get too sore. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thank you. Well done. I think that deserves a wee round of applause. So, yeah, Matthew's Gospel. Uh, the first chapter of Matthew's Gospel involves going into Jesus' lineage. Because Matthew is at great pains to point out that Jesus was directly descended from David. <clears throat> and that's very important because it was predicted in the, the Old Testament that the Messiah would come from the house of David. And that's why he traces this lineage all the way down from David. And it goes on and on and on. Believe it or not, I've actually heard a sermon that chapter, and all it is is so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. And I've actually heard an excellent sermon delivered on that. I won't attempt to do it today, but, but that's it. So what the emphasis is on today, what we're looking at is Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. Sometimes it's very easy for us to forget that he was the Jewish Messiah that was long promised. And, uh, and then was, of course, rejected by many of the Jews, particularly, of course, rejected by the authorities. So that's kind of setting the scene because this idea of Jesus being the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, is quite important. In fact, it's very important to what we're going to be talking about um, today. So I thought, and it gives me an excuse to show off that nice piece of artwork that my daughter-in-law, she's one of these people that's annoyingly talented. <laughs> Um, I can scarcely draw breath. If ever in the, in the classroom, ever wanted to give the kids a laugh, I, I would draw something. My horses look like something a four-year-old, and a not very good four-year-old, by the way. But the, uh, however, family trees are very important. In this case, as I say, when we start to delve into Matthew, I want you to keep that in mind, this idea of Jesus as the, the Jewish Messiah. Right, we'll move on to our next hymn, uh, which I chose uh, some time back, uh, but in light of um, Tuesday evening, when we were discussing the, the Union, I think it's actually a very appropriate hymn. It's 198, which is, Let us build a house where love can dwell. As uh, Vivian was explaining, we, we are facing uh, challenging times. Uh, but in all of it, uh, let us approach it with uh, compassion and grace. And above all, let us remember what we are about. And it's more than any individual congregation or any individual person. Um, let us remember why we are here. And on that note, we are going to one of the things we're here to do is uh, lift, uplift our offering. So we are now going to move to uplifting the offering.
Let us pray. Yours, Lord, is the sovereignty, and you are exalted over all as head. Wealth and honour come from you. You rule over all. Of your own we now give you, for the good of your church and the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We now move to our reading, which this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, and chapter 15, and we're reading from verse 21, and Jean is going to read for us. The reading is under the heading, A Woman's Faith. Jesus left that place and went off to the territory near the cities of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman who lived in that region came to him. Son of David, she cried out, have mercy on me, sir. My daughter has a demon and is in a terrible condition. But Jesus did not say a word to her. His disciples came to him and begged him, send her away, she is following us and making all this noise. Then Jesus replied, I have been sent only to the lost sheep of the people of Israel. At this, the woman came and fell at his feet. Help me, sir, she said. Jesus answered, it isn't right to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. That's true, sir, she answered, but even the dogs eat the leftovers that fall from their master's table. So Jesus answered her, you are a woman of great faith. What you want will be done for you. And at that very moment, her daughter was healed. May God bless to us this reading from his word. Thank you, Jean. This is quite a perplexing passage because initially Jesus refuses the woman's request. Not something that you would have imagined him doing. However, I want to explore what this passage is really about. And the first thing I want to say is that, as I said before, Jesus was a Jew. And sometimes that has been, particularly by the medieval church, uh, airbrushed out. And Matthew's gospel, and I think I've said this before, but I'll reiterate it. Matthew was uh, probably a Jewish rabbi, there's debate about this, but he was certainly writing for a Jewish audience. And he's keen to show Jesus as the Messiah that was promised. And Matthew's gospel was put first in the New Testament because it's often referred to as the Old Testament uh, gospel because it's got so many um, allusions towards uh, Old Testament prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. And Matthew is very keen to link those prophecies to Jesus. If, for example, if you look at the birth story in Matthew, he emphasizes that Jesus is from the house of David. He's born in Bethlehem, which was David's city. And then we have the, the, the wise men, the Magi, coming in and kneeling before him, something they would do for a king, or in this case, the Messiah. And Matthew is also keen to point out that Jesus had come primarily for the Jews. That was his first ministry, if you like. It was to the Jews. 
However, when we come to, that was chapter 15, and by chapter 15 in Matthew, we see that the tide is starting to turn against Jesus. Um, the religious authorities, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and so on, have, are, are after him, and they literally want blood. And so we see things changing. Previous to that in Matthew, we have, for example, the feeding of the 5,000, which is symbolic of Jesus meeting Israel's needs. And then we have him walking on water, which emphasizes he's the Lord of creation. Now, Matthew's deliberately including these stories to establish who Jesus was. If we'd read the first part of chapter 15, it's when Jesus is challenging the Jewish leaders and their teachings. And what he is saying to them is that they were elevating their own rules and regulations, if you like, to the level of scripture. Uh, they were not only telling people that they shouldn't work on the Sabbath, but they were going into minute detail about what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. Now, there's no scriptural basis for this. They were literally making it up as they went along, but they were saying to people that they had the same force as scripture had. So he was very uh, critical of them. And as so often happens when you are critical of someone, uh, they get upset. I can testify to that. So he realizes that there's a confrontation coming. So he retires to Tyre and Sidon. Now Tyre and Sidon were uh, to the north of Israel and they were Gentile areas because Jesus doesn't want he knows that this final confrontation is going to happen. But this is too soon. He doesn't want it now, he wants it later. So he withdraws to what is a Canaanite area, a Gentile area. Now there's a long history of confrontation between the, the Canaanites and the, the Jews. And this woman comes to him. Now in Mark's gospel, Mark tells the same story. Uh, not exactly the same, but uh, Mark refers to it as a Greek who was born in what is nowadays Syria. And while the Jewish leaders are rejecting Jesus, here's this Gentile woman who hardly knows him, seeking his mercy. And she's shouting repeatedly. And of course the disciples react and they say, tell her to get, get lost, you know. And uh, he uh, Jesus doesn't respond to her at all. He doesn't say anything. And then eventually, he effectively says to her request, no, I'm not doing it. And why, and the reason he gives, if you read it uh, correctly, he says that his ministry is to the Jews. Not to this woman, it's to the Jews. He's the Messiah. There's another interpretation of this, and that is that Jesus often put stumbling blocks in people's way to see if they've got enough faith to step over them. Remember, um, and I didn't note down the exact chapter and verse, but when somebody called Jesus good and he rounded on them, he said, why are you calling me good? There's no one good but God. He was looking for a response. It's not maybe the response that we think. He wasn't saying, you shouldn't be calling me good. No, 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 you're wrong to do that. 
what he wanted the person to say is, we're calling you good, and we know that only God can be described as good, but you and God are one and the same. And that's what he wanted them to say, to acknowledge who he was. And then we've got the stumbling block. We've got the rich young man that comes and said, what if I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus said, well, go off and sell all your possessions and so on. And that didn't suit the young man. His faith wasn't strong enough. So it could well be that Jesus was putting a stumbling block in front of this woman and saying, no, I'm not going to heal your daughter because I've come for the Jews. You know. So there's an element of that. Before. Is he testing the depths of her faith? Perhaps. But she, significantly, she calls him son of David, which, of course, is the title of the Messiah. And she kneels before him. I said in Matthew's gospel, there's a lot of kneeling in front of Jesus. It is his people's way of acknowledging him for his kingship. So here we have a, a Gentile woman who was acknowledging him as the Messiah. And Jesus reminds her of the distinction between the, the blessed Jews and the cursed Canaanites. In that passage, in case you didn't realize it, the Jews are the children, and the Gentiles are the dogs. And that was actually an expression that was used to describe them, dogs. So when Jesus said, it is not right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs, he's essentially saying that... Uh, the blessings that are there for the Jews shouldn't be bestowed on others. The children get fed first. Now, this is typical Matthew, because Matthew is working on his audience, emphasizing this, that, look, Jesus is offering you this. He's the Messiah, and you're turning it down. Do you want this, the food thrown to the dogs, thrown to the Gentiles, and you ignore it? Now, when Jesus says this, her answer is quite marvelous. She said, even dogs get to eat crumbs dropped from the table. And what she's doing is she's acknowledging the position of the Jews. And Jesus is their Messiah. And what she's doing, she's begging humbly for some of that uncovenanted mercy that God has. The, if you, the correct translation of dogs, it, it refers to dogs that were like small pets and are therefore harmless and helpless. And note that she's got, she's got no anger, no resentment about her situation. She acknowledges that she's at the bottom, but she's seeking his mercy. And then, of course, she receives it. And that tells us something about how we should approach God. On Thursday, I was speaking of, from Luke's gospel, uh, the, the parable that Jesus told about the two men who were praying. One of them was a Pharisee, the other one was a tax collector. And the Pharisee was giving himself a testimonial before God and saying how good he was and how pleased he was that he wasn't like this man down here. And the tax collector was saying, I am, and the expression used, the sinner. In other words, the sinner par excellence. He knew that he was a miserable sinner. And Jesus said he was the one that was justified before God. 
and does for us to realise where we are and what we are and not think ourselves somehow superior to others because compared to God and compared to Jesus Christ, uh, we're nothing. This woman has greater faith than the Jews had. And in this section, we see that the grace of our Lord uh, is given to people of faith, and to people who are in need. Jesus is saying that the grace of God will be given to all who believe, even though his mission called on him to present himself to Israel as the son of David. So what he's saying to her and the disciples, you know I am the Jewish Messiah. Jesus wanted her to express her faith, and that was a faith despite the history between the Canaanites and the Jews. Despite that, she had faith. And sometimes we find it difficult to grasp that concept that we are all bound to Jesus by faith. And I think there's there's many lessons for us today in this that we um, sometimes dismiss other people. We do think that we are better than them. And what Jesus was saying in this story and in that parable that I quoted is that we should realize that we are not better than anyone else in terms of God. We should approach God knowing we're not worthy and beg for his grace even though we know that we're not worthy. And then what we need to do is to take uh, that message of grace to the world the world out there. I believe in that that passage and this whole business of the Jews rejecting Jesus, I think there's there's a terrible warning for us in the Western world because effectively what we are doing increasingly is we are turning our back on Jesus Christ. We are turning our back on God there are those who think that uh, we don't need religion, we don't need faith, we can manage it all ourselves. We've come to such a stage. And increasingly, as I say, we're turning our backs, and the problem is, like Jesus, when the Jews turned their back, or some of them turned their back on him, his message went to the Gentiles. And if you look at the world today and you look at where Christianity is burgeoning, it's in Africa and it's in South America and it's Asia, even in China. There's enormous growth in Christianity, despite the fact they're facing real genuine persecution. Their faith is so strong that they're prepared to go on despite the fact they're risking uh, prison or worse. They still go on. Have we got that kind of faith? I'll admit I don't have. I don't know what I would do if somebody came along and said, if you you don't stop preaching the way you're doing now, we're going to throw you in jail. Or we might even shoot you. Now I've got to ask myself, would I carry on preaching? I was about to say, God knows. (laughs) 
But what I'm trying to say is that we run a real danger of turning our backs on all that is vitally important. I think he was, uh, Jesus was rejected by the Jewish leaders. And the people that took to Jesus' message were the poorest. If you look at John the Baptist when he got started, the thing that was amazing about John the Baptist was that he was baptizing everyone. Everyone. And Jesus' message is for everyone. And we have to believe that and act on it. So I think that uh, we need to be careful of two things. We need to re realize what our position is vis-a-vis -vis God. And we also need to address the issue of what our faith really is and what we're prepared to do and endure. And I think one of the things we've got to be careful of is we don't start to water down our faith in the light of what the world wants. We don't stop saying something is wrong just because society says, oh, but we think it's right and you shouldn't be saying that. We stick to our guns. Because at the end of the day, we are united in faith. So, let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us to sustain our faith. Help us to realize that we are sinful creatures in need of your saving grace. And may we bring that saving grace to others and try to bring about your kingdom on this earth and in this time. And we ask this in the same Jesus' name. Amen. The next hymn, again, I chose um, before, say, we had Tuesday night's meeting. And it's important to remember we're facing, as I said, we're facing very difficult times. I, I should have said I'd asked you to bear up Nigel, particularly in your praise. Because Nigel is going to be faced with a very, very difficult situation um, in all kinds of ways. Um, I was about to make a quip out of, well, make it anyway. It's a bit like, you could argue, it's a bit like we made Captain of the Titanic after it hits the iceberg. You know, so um, I would ask you your thoughts and prayers to bear Nigel up. I know he will, he will face it and he has great faith and, and uh, he will bear, but he will need our help. And it is, as I said before, going to be a difficult time and we should approach it in the correct way. And to bring that brings me to our next hymn, which is a salutary reminder. It's 522. The church is wherever God's people are praising. Let us once more join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we ask for your blessing and the Holy Spirit to help us as we move towards the coming union. We, we, we approach it in a true Christian spirit with humility and compassion and good grace.
We pray for the children who are starting or returning to school this coming week. We ask you for your blessing upon them. We bring others before you as well. For people who are, we pray for people who are struggling with their health, be it physically or mentally. We pray for people who are in difficult relationships with partners, family, friends, or colleagues. For people who have experienced loss and are struggling with bereavement. For people who are filled with uncertainty and are struggling financially. Loving God, bring us all peace, comfort, and hope. We pray for the leaders of our world. Guide our politicians and diplomats that they may be truthful, just, and caring as they communicate and take action upon our behalf. Bless our King and country with a willingness to do your work, to be inviting, supportive, and loving of all people and care for all in your creation. And God, we pray for all the people of the world. <clears throat> Bring peace for people caught in indifferent, the indifferent destruction of war. Bring hope for all those who cannot see an end to their struggling and despair. Empower us all in whatever way we can to work to bring relief, peace, and care to each and every situation we encounter. And may we work with your Holy Spirit to bring hope. And all of this we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our closing hymn is 461, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Go in the strength of God and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and always.